This is Docs in the Box podcast. A podcast about medicine, muscles, and more through the eyes of two physiatrists. I'm Dr. Amy West. And I'm Dr. Matthew Cowling. All right, Docs in the Box podcast, episode 27. CrossFit legend here, Athena Perez. <laughs> hey, um, I'm just going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Go ahead. Just give us a quick one-two. One, two, uh, Athena Perez. I am uh, an affiliate owner of Scaled Nation CrossFit here in St. Paul and um, director of Scaled Nation Training. We recently released a a course called Working with Larger Bodies, and we are out in the community and sharing what we've created. And you and Dr. West did an awesome demo at the, okay, I was watching this on YouTube. Everyone check that out on YouTube from the games last year, right? Mm-hmm. And you Amy, did Amy, Amy did it. I was, I was really just a bystander in it, but I was, it was, it's Athena's thing. I was just there to lend my support. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot to like unpack cool stuff, amazing things going on. Where do you want to start? Yeah. Like, let's start with, well, first of all, how did you, I mean, how did you find CrossFit? Like, how, how did you get involved in the whole seats? You've been in, you've been at it a while. So, you know, a little what, bit. What's, your, what's your origin story? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I say five years, it's, it seems like way longer than that, but yeah, five years. Um, origin story. So it all started when I walked into a CrossFit box. I thought I was going to be working with a just a personal, like a trainer there. And I thought that, you know, he was going to teach me how to, to walk without my canes and my walker. Um, that was the only goal I had just because I wasn't able to see anything past that at the time. And, you know, long story short, that led to um, being there a couple of weeks and the community was like, oh, you need to try CrossFit. And I'm like, I can't even walk without my canes how am I going to do CrossFit it just seems so unbelievable at the time but I tried it and it stuck and one thing led to another and I I got my level one the following year ended up losing a couple hundred pounds got my level one and uh level one led to um I wrote a book was published back in 20 and um, opened up the the CrossFit affiliate that same year. And the goal of the affiliate, you know, we always tell everybody we're we're a little bit different than like your traditional CrossFit box in that most of the people that attend um, Scaled Nation are larger bodied. And some are coming into CrossFit, you know, needing to lose hundreds of pounds, you know, they're four, five, 600. And um, the idea is that CrossFit, I think CrossFit for anybody can be super intimidating, but especially um, for this population can be extremely, um, it can be very scary. And so what we do is we do a lot of remote coaching and CrossFit classes via Zoom, and we get them into kind of the CrossFit classes, getting them, getting them used to like, hey, this is how they're structured. This is how it goes. And then when they have gotten to the point where they have developed that confidence, where they're ready to transition to the community, then we reach out and find boxes within their area and we, we pass them off and we get them that community that I feel is essential. So it's not like Scale Nation doesn't have a community, but it's so much different when it's in person. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people talk about the intimidation factor about, you know, walking into box. So couple of things about what you just said. So one is what motivated you to, to even enter? Cause I think that's, that's a huge problem for many people. It's just getting, find, getting the courage to go in. And then also yeah. you said you were walking with crutches and, ca- and canes. And, and so what was going on with you at the time? And why did you even think that a CrossFit gym would be helpful for you? So this might be right up your alley, Amy. So um, there was two reasons that I was on double canes. Uh, if I wasn't on double canes, I was on a walker. So I kind of bounced back and forth between the two of them. Um, I had Blount's disease on my right leg. Um, and you're in orthopedics, but I don't know if you're as familiar with that one. It's basically a, it's a horrible bow 
on the on the right leg. So it was like at a 40% tilt. Um, so it was causing just unbelievable pain on the right. And then I had just horrible advanced osteoarthritis and, you know, bone on bone, the whole thing. And it made walking very difficult, but it wasn't just because of the condition, the weight caused the condition. So it was just that constant pressure on joints that it just had enough. So that's what happens when you carry, you know, hundreds of pounds on joints that was never intended to carry that much weight. So yeah, we actually see a lot of usually young boys, like 14 year old boys with that, that we would admit to the rehab, you know, they'd have to have, you know, reconstructive surgery on their knees at around 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, so I'm how did you say like, oh, I'm, I, I have this debilitating disease. Let me go try CrossFit. Like how, where was that connection? I didn't know I had it until I was in my thirties. It was just misdiagnosed for years and years. And then they're like, oh shit, you actually have a condition on your leg. Um, again, CrossFit wasn't the, CrossFit was the furthest thing from my mind. It just happened to be where this coach was. And so I approached it like, shit, I'm going to have to walk in there to meet with her. Even if I'm going to work with her one-on-one, I have to go in the doors, but cause you're right, right. The doors themselves can be a barrier to a lot of people. Um, so I wasn't thinking about like the workouts. It kind of was just by accident. Like, I think all the, the amazing miracles that happens when you're in a community, you're, you know, they, they start tag teaming on you and they're like, no, you can do it. You can do it. I think, I think maybe initially I got so tired of that, that I'm like, okay, I'll come to a class. You know, I thought maybe initially it would shut them up. I didn't realize I was going to fall in love with it. And when you were having all the issues with, you know, like your leg and pain and stuff like that, I've heard you mention before that you were able to use CrossFit and exercise to get off of pain medication, which I think is huge. I did. Um, the discomfort when you have, when you have advanced stages of that, the discomfort never goes away, but yeah, we had gotten off the narcotics for sure. And that was a blessing. But once that kind of damage is done, it's done. So I did have, um, two TKRs. So that, that's did you feel like Knee replacements for those listening. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, total knee replacement. There we total go. Total knee replacement. <laughs> <laughs> so did you feel like when you started, it was that part of it was the endorphins and stuff you get from working out as well as that effect of getting some weight loss, like a combination and it was the community as well, I feel like can play a huge impact in that. I think it was the community for me first. Um, it had less to do with the movement as much as it had to do with um. I had never walked into that kind of environment before where I felt like I, I was supposed to be there. Um, I had had a lot of gym experiences prior to that and it wasn't, it wasn't a friendly environment. They're not typically, at least they weren't for me. And, and a lot of um, larger bodied athletes that shared the same stories is that typically gyms are not, they're not good places for us to be. You know, you kind of become the targets of jokes and videos and TikTok videos and you name it. But that was the first place I'd ever been that um, they wanted me there. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll keep coming. And that was something that I had never had before. So I think the community came first and then the movements happened. And I just kept listening to them. They're like, no, you can do it. And don't get, don't get worried about what gets put on the board. We'll scale it for you. I didn't even know what that word meant the first time I heard it. I'll scale it. Um, so it was just um, believing them. And then eventually it was like, I started doing a little bit more and yeah, that it, it creates, um, you know, a snowball, which is kind of what happened. And, and how much, how much weight did you end up losing? And, and how does that, I guess, at what, at what point did it like kind of click with you? Like, oh, wow. Like this is, this is like, this is working. This is this changing things for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it didn't take long. Um, I was down 50 pounds. I want to say within the first two and a half months. I mean, it was fast. Um, Amazing. At my yeah, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And how, how much did you weigh when you started? Like how much, like, where were oh, you roughly? I don't know. Um, 
the right before, um, right before I started CrossFit, I was in the process of thinking I was going to go through the bariatric surgery process. So I had gone through all of that. So we had a recorded weight like earlier that year, but I hadn't gone and done any weigh-ins or anything. So I don't know what I got up to. The problem is I'll never know because scales don't go that high. You had to wait in the doctor's office to get the number. So I don't know. I'm sure it was pretty close to 500 pounds. That's our best guess. Wow. So then. Oh, yeah. So I just started coming. It just started coming off. Um, You know, I changed the nutrition and started working out and the rest, as they say, is history. But um, I had gotten to where I had gotten 245 off. And then that was kind of like my highest. And then I went in for my double knee replacements and then put 40 of it back on. So that was a bummer. Um, but you go from, you know, being a five day a week CrossFitter to, you know, you're in a chair for 11 months. It was, it was brutal. The recovery was brutal. I had to learn how to do everything again, walk again. And I don't know what I was thinking. I just, I had to go back into CrossFit and learn how to do every single movement on new legs. So it was the whole thing. So it was a, you know, it just was what it was. So now here we are, it's, it's a process and it's still ongoing. What kind of nutrition, like, did you have like a formal nutrition program when you started CrossFit or you just, no. people just gave you tips and you just started eliminating certain things? Like what, what did that look like? I mean, ironically, um, you know, I hadn't, it, it ended up being very similar to the, you know, the CrossFit prescription, nuts and seeds, meats, vegetables, and some fruit. And it was kind of by accident. And that's just what the foods that I ended up started eating. And I got rid of everything else. Wasn't really doing any calorie counting. It was literally just eat these foods. Don't eat anything off this group and focus on the movement. And it started working. And then of course, you know, you, it's hard to explain, especially to people that haven't lost lots and lots of weight, but your body, when you lose that kind of weight, it changes and it goes through all kinds of, it adjusts on every level. And it got to a point where it just, it wasn't going anywhere. It got the 200 and then some odd off. And then it was like, I'm not doing anything else. That's it. And so it's been a, it's been a struggle the last two years since surgery for sure. Yeah. I mean, the body always tries to resist when it gets to those points, like puts so much weight that it's like, it it just, but that's amazing. Um, Were there moments that you specifically remember when you started doing um, more CrossFit type stuff and even with the diet where you're like, oh, wow, I can really do this. And you thought before, like you didn't know, and then it just all clicked for you. And you were like, from there on just gone. I think it, I think it was more like the realization that this was going to be, this was a long-term investment, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is not a, yes, it was clicking and I can see the progress, but there was also this realization like, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a road and I have to be able to invest in this forever. It may take a year. It may take 10. I don't know, but I think it was just, I talk about this in my book. It was making peace with time, you know, like it was going to take a while. Right. And did you know you were going to have the, um, the knee replacements going in? Like, did you know that was a step? Okay. So that was a setback that kind of came as a surprise. Yeah, it was a, it was a major setback for a while. I was really hoping that I had gotten enough weight off where the doctors, you know, maybe that alarm bell would have subsided a little bit. And I remember going into seeing the orthopedic surgeon and he was like, Athena, there's, they're done you know, like they are done. Like your knees are in the condition of somebody that's like 95 years old. And if you don't do something, you're going to lose the ability to walk. And they're like, I was hoping in the back of my brain that if I could just get in there and keep going, that, um, you know, that, that this could reverse, you know, me being, you know, silly, this doesn't reverse. (laughs) It's kind of permanent damage, but there's a lot of things that can be reversed with weight loss, but unfortunately this wasn't one of them. So yeah, when you say setback, it was a major setback, major. And, and you mentioned before that there are things that happen to your body beyond just like fitting into clothes better or even like health oh, yeah. markers improving, but like yeah. what kind of things, cause I think it's important for coaches to know it's important for healthcare providers to know yeah. like what kind of other, what are other things that are happening 
that are, you know, other than like the, sort of the obvious things and someone who loses that much weight? Um, yeah. So it just wasn't responding. It got to a point where it just, it wasn't responding anymore to everything it had always done. It, it, it's like, it got to a point where it just literally stopped. Um, you know, and some people were like, oh, well, you must be off on your measuring. <laughs> this is not a measuring thing. This is a hormonal thing. Everything in your body changes and all of those hormones, it was changing. Um, it wasn't just changing like, uh, like what my body was responding to as far as my foods, it was changing all my hormonal levels, my, um, you know, my, my women monthly stop that was all over the board and it, everything changed my sleeping patterns. Suddenly I couldn't go to sleep at night. I mean, it just literally changed in my entire chemistry. Did you have like, um, blood work at the time? Like, were you tracking any of those yeah. like, hormones or anything? Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. They were all over the board. I mean, just highs and lows and just all over the grid. I mean, Amy and I are going to, we're going to do like an entire separate podcast on the hormonal effects of weight loss for men. Sometimes it can be obvious if you just go get your testosterone level or something checked while you're chronically dieting and it's tanked for women, it can be a little more subtle. Yeah. Um, there are definitely things to look out for on labs and stuff. Right. But like, I know the hormonal changes and impact is huge. And especially when you're losing weight for a long period of time, when is it that really, and I mean, there's no other choice, right? It just takes time. And it so it's work. like a long drawn out process and it takes its toll on your body. So at some point your body kind of screams to you, like, I need a break, you know, it, it, it does. And this is actually one of the things that we talk about in the course, because it, it's very, <laughs> it's more complicated than, than I think a lot of people understand with this whole concept of, well, it's just calories and calories. Well, it's not because your body adapts very quickly. And so, um, the other thing that happens though, too, is that the, the energy spend becomes different. The more weight you get off that adjusts sometimes very unbeknownst to you. And so you're thinking that you're doing all this work, you're staying on your plan, you're working out and it's not moving. It's because it has adjusted as you drop weight that those needs also change just as frequently. So, um, and then, and then it's kind of up to you to figure out what that is. So you're constantly in this process of like, okay, you know, where does the body want to be today? Cause you don't know. And the other part of that was I think Matt said it really well, you know, like your body is not supposed to be in a deficit for forever. So you can imagine what that can do to your body, your hormones, everything, when you're just in a constant state of trying to be in the deficit 10, 20 years, what do you think that's going to do to your system? You know? Exactly. Yep. So, like, how did you then decide there's a leap between, okay, I'm going to go and across a gym. Okay. I really like this. Yeah. And it's like, now I'm going to get an L1 and I'm going to own a box. Like, how did that, <laughs> how did that, you know, that's a big leap to make, especially, you know, if you, I, 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 did you face any kind of resistance, you know, because, you know, being a larger body athlete where people were like, you yeah. know, uh, did anyone give you any crap about that? I didn't get any, um, there wasn't any resistance in the community for me to get it. Um, there was resistance once I had it and I wanted to coach. Yes. Unfortunately. So how did you kind of like, Hey, what, like, what was it for you? Like, how did you kind of, what, how did you navigate that? Um, it started out, uh, it started out very subtle. So like the first example that I can think of is as soon as I got my level one, um, I had gotten an, uh, like an invitation from this box to come and I was, I was, uh, I'm, I've always been a huge proponent of zone or, um, or a version of zone, you know, I call it a hybrid approach really, but, um, I just wanted to teach people how to do it. I think that there was this perception that it was so hard and, and confusing and, and it's really, it's not, once you learn it, it's, it's like that, it just becomes second nature. And so I was always really excited to talk about it. And so anyway, this box had reached out and they're like, oh, we would love for you to come talk about zone to other people. You clearly, um, you know, you, you can speak to it. And I remember when they announced it to the box, um, 
it did not have the it, it did not have a it did not have a warm reception. It was more like, you know, some of the comments that were coming on the thread were things like, well, she's big. So what does she know about nutrition? Not understanding, you know, like where I had come from and what I had learned over the last several years, you know, like that's a lot more than a lot of doctors learn about nutrition. And yeah, I didn't get a good reception because of the fact that I was still, I was still classified as obese. What could she possibly know about nutrition? So yeah, it was, I think a lot of people, you know, how would they navigate that? They, they would quit. Um, I, I was never built like that. And I, yes, it stings when you hear it, but um, I've always felt like some of the best advice comes from people and you have a, you have the ability to build rapport with people when one, they feel comfortable that you understand where they're coming from. And I think it's just really, it's, it was so much easier for me to build bridges with people because they knew I would get it. So I never let it get in my way. But does it happen? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, and also I feel like it's a great point that you brought up about when you go through the weight loss process. Yeah. By nature, it's forcing you to have to learn that stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, and in, in people who haven't been <laughs> through it, it's hard for them to understand. But anytime you start something like this, and a lot of the things that you've been doing in CrossFit, nobody was doing before, right? And so like, obviously, people are going to have that response, you know, at first. And I think it comes with everything. It's unfortunate that you have to go through that. But whenever you're kind of making waves, things like that happen. They do. So yeah, I just, I always felt like I was just, I was built for the ride. So, <laughs> you know, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> I mean, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Athena. That's right. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, how did, as, as far as the, the, the term LBA, large yeah. body athlete, I, not, I had not, I had never heard that term until I heard you use it. Is that something that you coined sort of, or is that, i not, I had not heard that before. Yeah. You're like, how did that come about? Um, so there, I have to give you a little context to, um, where it developed. So um, back in 2020 is when I started the, um, the We Belong CrossFit page. It was really more or less a, it was just kind of a dump area where I could post people's stories. You know, previously they were all coming to me and, and I felt like I was just kind of walking around carrying all this stuff with me all the time. People would reach out and say, Hey, I'd have this experience. I'd have this experience. They were usually never positive. And I, it was just a lot to carry around. So I started this page. And when the idea for the course started developing, I wasn't sure what to call it. Um, coming from that population, I knew that there were words that were not going to go over very well. And so I was trying to be very sensitive to what word would be appropriate. So we started these conversations on the, on the actual page that says, hey, we're going to vote, you know. Do you, do you, would you prefer to be called obese and use the clinical word? Obesity is a clinical word, right? Um, do you prefer the term overweight, bigger, larger? And then somebody had said, you know, I like the term larger bodied. And then because in CrossFit, we use the term athletes. That's how it came to be. So anyway, this discussion went on for weeks and weeks. And then we finally asked the 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 LBA community on the We Belong page, you know, like what's gonna, what's the vote? And overwhelmingly, it was that terminology. But we, but I also, and when we talk about this in the course, I say, you know, that there could be people that don't like that term. It's, it's possible. I've heard it, but I've also talked to some adaptive athletes that don't like that term either. So I'm like, you're never gonna make everybody happy. But we don't use the word to label we use the word to distinguish training needs for that population. And that's the only time that we use it. So I actually learned that term the first time listening to the talk that you guys gave on the, at the game. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think I like that. I like that a lot. And I think it kind of decreases a little bit of the stigma around it or people just don't like, you know, it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't matter once you're in the gym, right? It's just yeah. getting there. And then, you know, and anything we can do to get people in the door, I think it's really important. 
Um, let's talk about some yeah. barriers. So one thing I want to get your opinion on, I think, you know, yeah. Amy, maybe you can weigh, weigh in on this too is, you know, whenever I see somebody in the gym, let's say a larger body athlete individual in the gym, I'm like, okay, I love this. I get super excited because I'm like, you know, you're here, we're kicking ass and I want to go like crazy, like hell yeah. But then I stop myself because I'm like, hey, I just want to let them like work out with everybody else and have us, let us have fun. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I feel like, you know, that part always, I have to hold myself back. I would say I feel the exact same way that you do. Um, that person in the gym is no different than anybody else that's there. They are there for some reason. We all have different reasons for being there. Sometimes it's just purely physical. I want to look good, naked, who knows? Sometimes it's more of a mental health. Sometimes it's somebody wants to lose weight, but somebody that comes into the gym that's larger body isn't necessarily there to lose weight. That might not be somebody's goal. And I think that that's been the hardest concept for coaches to understand is that that might not be the goal. It might evolve into that. But a lot of times when they come in, that's not necessarily the immediate goal. A lot of times they come to CrossFit or any place to work out just to, because they want to feel better and they want to meet people. You know, they don't want to be isolated in their homes. They want to have that feeling like, Hey, I, I need some place to go where I feel like I belong. But yeah, I, I would say <laughs> I'm right in line with what you just said. Yeah, they're they're literally there for any number of reasons, same reasons that you might be there. Exactly, exactly. So what what do you think now? You guys talked a little bit about the talk on YouTube about some yeah. some issues in terms of um like pain, uh, you know, osteoarthritis, rashes, mm -hmm. things like that. What are some yeah. things to be mindful of for coaches out there um and you know, dealing with this athletic population? Yeah. Um, like physical, the physical awareness, I would say the first thing is, yes, you're, you're dealing with a population that could have higher, um, higher instances of arthritis, osteoarthritis, um, um, what do they call those, Amy? I always forget the term. Um, it's like pressure fractures on your feet. What are they called? Uh, oh, stress, stress fractures. Stress fractures. Stress fractures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, stress fractures happens. I mean, you could get stress fractures just from walking when you're that heavy. And I think that that's not understood either. It doesn't take running. It could just be walking around. Um, they're gonna, they could sweat more. That can be really, really embarrassing. Sweating causes its own Access sweating causes its own issues like, like the rashes. Anytime that you have skin folds, it's an area that could cause the rashes and it could cause infections. And, you know, you could have a larger bodied athlete that comes in, does this really brutal, hot, heavy workout. It's in the middle of the summer. And then they're out for three or four days tending to these rashes that develop. It's unfortunate, but it's a side effect of carrying around extra weight. But I think a lot of times that's interpreted by coaches as, oh, well, they're just not showing up. There could be a myriad of reasons why they're not there that has nothing to do with the fact that they're not motivated or, you know, there are physical things that you got to be careful of not to overwork when you're that heavy. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of side effects that are very unfortunate. Um, other physical things, um, trying to think of more. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot more in our course. Well, I mean, another thing that you had mentioned too, is that the idea of like, not uh, of coaches, not using the word like, Oh, well, this is, this is easy. Or yeah. you know, like, like you scale up rather than scale down. So instead of starting someone off with like a 20 inch box yeah. and saying, Oh, you can't do that. Let's do something easier. You start with something, you know, more, you know that's lower and then see, and then upgrade from there. Yeah. Language is, is super important and just some of the words that we use. It's not because I, I don't believe that any coach intends to offend somebody, but I think it can be very disempowering to somebody that is really giving it their a thousand percent to hear words like that. Well, I'm going to give you something easier, so let's move you down. It's not easier for that person. In fact, one of the things that we do is we, we took it right out of level one and, and I think it's on page 72 or 79. I forgot which one, but it does the, it, do, it does the grid on Fran 
and it shows you like the work capacity, right? And I think it's using like this 200 pound person. And what it's supposed to do is demonstrate the work capacity for someone that weighs that much. So what we did was we took that Excel spreadsheet, piped in a bunch of formulas. So what we do is we start putting in, like if somebody weighs 300, how does it change the work capacity? If somebody weighs 400 coming into CrossFit and they're doing this workout, how it changes the work capacity. And as soon as you start plugging in the numbers, it changes. And what it shows is that that larger body person is the hardest working person in the room. They could modify that workout by over 50%, have an empty bar and just do ring rows. And they would still have a higher work capacity because of the energy it takes to do those movements at that weight. So when you tell that person, this is easier, it's not, it's actually more difficult. That is a great, wow. I never, when you put it like that and you know, that's so cool that you guys were able to demonstrate that because it's true when you really think about it. Right. But that's not intuitive for people to think. It's not. No. And again, I, I don't. So what we do is um, one of the demos that we do is we take somebody that's 300 and we, I think the work capacity for like the 200 pound person is like 54,000, whatever that number was. So what we do is we plug in somebody that weighs 300 pounds. We say, okay, they're probably going to have to scale. So we're going to give them the empty barbell instead of adding the 95 pounds on it, which I think is Fran, 95. Um, we, we have them use an empty barbell and then we put them on ring rows and say, okay, if they're doing ring rows, they might have 50% on this. So we just took away 50% right off the bat because they're on the rings and it still showed a higher work capacity than the RX athlete. It's a really powerful visual for people to understand that, the, that what, what they have trouble comprehending is the amount of power it takes to move that kind of mass. It's far more difficult. Anyway, it's a really powerful visual. It's one of my favorite parts of the course. Can, can you talk a little bit about like what your course is, like how people yeah. can find it, like what yeah. other things, because I know you do a, a couple of like cool kind of like demos with like weight vests and things like that. So if you could describe some of those things. Yeah. So let's talk about the day. Um, so the first, um, the first module we call just obesity language and awareness. And the reason why we do it is because for what we just talked about with the demo. I think that there's a lot of things that you just, a lot of coaches just don't have the awareness because they've never been larger. It's not a life that they have ever lived. And then the other part, when it comes to obesity, I think that there is this, um, there's this misunderstanding that there's only one way that you get heavy and one way you get it off. Um, there's a lot of different paths to obesity that are caused by a myriad of different things that have more to do with energy than just energy. It could be any combination of these factors that we talk about. And we don't talk about all of them. We'd be in there forever. What we talk about are the 12 factors that you're probably going to see the most common. Somebody could walk in, weigh 300 pounds, and they might be affected by one or two of these little veins, we call them. Some might be affected by all of them. The problem is, is that as a coach, you don't know how many are actually affecting that person because that's not a conversation that you have. So just having that awareness and saying, hey, um, conversations going straight to nutrition might not always be effective for this reason. Um, and then after that, um, so that's like for the first hour or so, and then we go into what we call um, a movement activity. And the purpose of it is to have coaches understand some of the, what we call like the main trouble spots for larger bodies. So we try to simulate what it feels like to be in a larger body, not because we are looking for the coaches to give people pity. What we want them to do is understand what those challenges are. So um, for instance, a larger body, um, depending on how large they are, they might have um, a lot of proprioception challenges where um, somebody goes up to do a box jump or a box step, you know, depending on how they carry their weight, uh, especially if they're front heavy, um, they're not going to be able to see their feet. So it would be like making you do a box jump with your eyes blindfolded or having something right here and then saying, do a box jump. You'd be surprised how that totally changes, not just your confidence levels, but 
you know, it can turn to fear very quickly because you can't see where you're jumping. It's no different for a larger body. Um, and then we do jumping exercises with this apron. It's kind of a weighted vest and like a pouch. And we add, you know, 15, 20 pounds right here at the, at the belly level because we want to try and simulate what that overlap and how it can be uncomfortable for people. So when somebody comes in and they're like, hey, I don't want to jump rope. Again, there's a lot of reasons why an LBA might not want to do a certain activity and it has nothing to do with the fact that they don't want to or they're lazy or they're trying to get out of something. It might literally be so uncomfortable that that is a detractor to them being there. If you can remove that barrier, they will stay. So um, we try to give coaches some visuals on some of those, those tougher spots for LBAs. And then, um, and then we get into where we're talking about like the physical body, some of the challenges that we talked about earlier, you know, like why does somebody sweat more? Why does somebody, well, this is why they're very like real reasons that this happens. Um, we take a break, we come back from lunch and then we're talking about equipment. Um, equipment is another one of those blind spots, um, for coaches, um, because there are weight limits to everything. Everything that's in the box, believe it or not, has a weight limit. Bands, for instance, are something that we talk about. Bands have a 225 pound weight limit, but you'd be surprised how many people I see doing the pull-ups assisted on the bands. They're going to break, especially if you put somebody too heavy on them. Um, and then we're talking about um, different ways that we can approach getting on and off equipment, teaching coaches like, hey, if somebody has trouble, show them to get on this way. It's just far more far more efficient and they're not going to have trouble. Takes away the fear factor. And then um, we talk about the space, what can be challenges for people actually in the gym, in the space. Um, we talk about anything and everything having to do with like accommodations and equipment. And then we're out on the floor for a couple hours talking about all different kinds of ways that we can not scale. It's more like you're modifying. And yes, I think um, Amy talked to this a little bit earlier when she's talking about like what our approach is and our approach is not taking somebody out on the floor, not realizing, hey, they're probably not going to be able to do a 20 inch box, watch them fail and then say, oh, well, let me give you something easier. Like we don't want that to even come up. So we teach coaches like there's a better way to approach this where that would never happen. Again, that's where you lose people. You frustrate them. You, you know, you can crush them. And, um, and then we come back and then we have an hour where we talk about your gym's marketing and, you know, why we believe that gym affiliate owners struggle with being able to build, um, this population in their gyms is because of, um, either their culture or how they're marketing their, their gym and their space. So we talk about their social media. We talk about imagery. We talk about anything and everything posters that you put up how you advertise your gym, what your website says, what your social media says, um, apparel that you carry in the box. So we try to cover a little bit of everything. It's a full eight hour day. So that's awesome. How frequently do you offer the course? Uh, um, so right now <laughs> we've got courses that um, our next course is in uh, January, at the end of January over at Ohio Strength in Columbus. And then from there, we've got courses pretty much every month, um, with the exception of maybe navigating around the open. Wow, that's um, awesome. Yeah, but um, people could go to our website. We keep it pretty updated. Um, we're adding new locations, um, usually every week or two. So the goal is to have the entire schedule out by the end of Christmas. We should have the whole entire schedule out for 2023. And as I guess, what would be your advice for healthcare providers who, you know, see somebody, a patient that, you know, needs to lose a certain amount of weight or would benefit from being in a CrossFit gym? What a is like the best way to approach that? Because I think healthcare providers really struggle with delivering that message and delivering ways that people can actually lose weight. It's like, you need to lose weight. Okay, great. See you in six months. But like, let me, I mean, maybe this is a know, question for you guys, because you are doctors. Why do you think 
health professionals struggle with this so much. Why do you think that? <laughs> I mean, I think we struggle with it. It's it's one because we're not really taught how, how what to tell people to do. I mean, it's like we all know, like, okay, people sh- need to lose weight for their health for X Y Z reason, but we're not taught what to tell people to do. Like, that's why I think CrossFit's so great. It's like, go there. They'll tell you what to do. I don't even have to worry about it. Just go. Yeah. Um, but in general, like, it's hard to be like, okay, you have to lose some weight and, um, you know, figure it out. And also, there's also an element too. like, I'll just say this is my, my beef with modern, one of my beefs with modern medicine is that we're all kind of like rated and reviewed on like Yelp and stuff like that. So, you know, sometimes you deliver that message to someone who needs to hear it. Um, and no matter how you say it, the only thing that they'll come away with is the doctor called me fat. Yeah. regardless of how nice you put it and regardless of how necessary that message is, you know, um, you know, so there's, there's a, there's a, a fear of like not wanting to offend people or I've certainly seen a lot of patients who are a little bit delusional about maybe that what, where they are on that spectrum. And, you know, they get offended, they would get offended by even the, the suggestion, you know, so I, I tread lightly for that reason as well. Everyone go leave Amy a five-star review. <laughs> no, I think that th- those are good points. You know, this is a big issue, but even if you're trying as a physician yeah. to treat patients, you know, in terms of like obesity medicine, right? This is like a field that we have, right? But even that has like, you know, several flaws. I think one big issue, as Amy mentioned, is there's a lack of education for the most part, because the yeah. people who are treating obesity, it's a very small amount of physicians, right? right? And we don't have education on nutrition and a lot of physicians are too so caught up in the grind of becoming a medical professional that they don't even work out themselves. Right. Right. Then there's the other fact that physicians like to pretend like they know everything, even if they don't. So then, you know, if you ask them their opinion, they're quickly to just say, Hey, like, this is what I think. Right. But the big thing is, you know, it takes a community approach, I think. Right. And it's, even if I were in front of a patient trying to explain to them, like, here's what I believe I need a back. I need a nutrition, somebody who can help with the psychology portion of it. I need a whole team of people. Right. And you actually get that in a CrossFit gym basically for free. Right. So I think that's a huge, a huge thing. And just getting sending more patients to CrossFit gyms and finding good communities for them is the way that we need to do it as physicians. It's really interesting that you say that because, because for some people, that struggle with obesity, it could very well be, you know, like, again, this is where it gets very broad. There are, there is a population within the obesity community where simple behavioral modifications will do the trick and that's all they need. So if they have that factor that we talk about in the course, that one factor, that's just lifestyle, as we call it, that can be a very easy correction. But what if they also have that and they also have the factor where um, they're taking a lot of medications, medications affect the endocrine system. They start messing with your hormones. It's going to affect the energy spend. We can control the energy in what we don't know and what's impossible almost to measure. And some, especially somebody in the obesity category is what is actually going out. Nobody knows that answer. And even if you arrive at an answer, it's a best guess at best but then you're having to factor things that you don't know, medications, uh, um, any kind of like um, endocrine disorders. I mean, the the list goes on and on and on. But um, what I was getting at was there's a lot of, I think that there's a lot of distrust on the patient side for practitioners because that is where they have historically gotten a lot of that bias from are people that they believed were there to help them. And we're not just talking about like, hey, you know, they're they're not being real with where they're at. I think a lot of them are definitely real. They're coming and they're asking for help. And then it's an automatic referral to surgery. There's so much pressure out there for surgery. In fact, that's where most of us get sent. In fact, that was one of the polls that we did on the We Belong page was how many of us have gotten one at least one referral for bariatric surgery that we did not ask for. And the number was close to 70%. And then once you get that referral, that's it. 
every time that you go see the doctor after that, they're going to ask you, did you talk to the surgeon? Did you talk to the surgeon? You know what I mean? It never stops after that. And so if we're truly wanting people to make lifestyle changes, why are we sending them that way first as a first resort? I mean, in my opinion, it should be a last resort. Have we tried the nutrition and movement first? But I've never had that recommended ever. And this is a big part where our medical system is flawed, right? Is that we do not, we're so focused on intervention versus prevention. And then even, you know, lifestyle modification when it comes down to it, it's, and our system is just built in a way that physicians aren't trained to, to think that way, you know, and the patients also aren't provided with the education up front of where they need to go. Right. So it's on both sides, you know, and I, I love how you're getting more information out there of where people can go first. So they understand that for some yeah. physicians, you know, um, if you, for example, you're a bariatric surgeon, right. Yeah. I, you know, literally every patient that comes through your door, that's what you're thinking. That is your day to day. That's everything. Right. And you know, the, the patient goes there thinking, Oh no, well, I'm going to learn about X, Y, Z lifestyle intervention, but that's just not what they do. So it's like, um, you know, and I mean, some do, but I'm just saying this is making generalizations here. Um, it can be very difficult. The guidance is very important. And I'm really glad that you're providing some of that. Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, just this last, over the last seven days, one of the things that I really try to stay um, up to speed on is just like what's happening in this space in the medical community. And three of the biggest providers here in Minnesota, where I live, um, I wanted to make sure that I was giving out the best, latest and greatest information. And so what I did was I, um, I reached out to, you know, every health system has like their specialty, their bariatric area, not just for clarity, bariatric doesn't necessarily mean surgery. It's just, this, you know, it's this population. There are non-surgery alternatives for people that don't want surgery usually, but Um, so I put myself into the system acting like I wanted, uh, lifestyle modification. You know, I'm going to go talk to the bariatric. I want non-surgical alternatives. I checked the box where it said, what are you interested in? I checked lifestyle, left surgery off. It got sent in. I got a response later on that day. Okay, Athena, here's your thing. We want you to fill out this questionnaire and there's a wait list to talk to the surgeon that's in March. I never said anything about surgery. I specifically said, I want help. I'm looking for help. I'm saying, yes, I need help. I would like to focus on lifestyle changes and boom, they send me to surgery. And that was with all three this week, this week. So it's like, what happens to the people that are legitimately asking for lifestyle help and they're getting sent to bariatrics? These are people that we trust to give us the best advice. Most people say, why don't people know about CrossFit? Because that's not what they're being told. If you tell somebody, if you tell somebody, especially somebody that's heavy, you need surgery, that's the end of the road. I, you know, you've already told somebody that they weren't capable of doing it on their own. So who are they going to believe? You're the professional. You know, you are a doctor. You've said, you know, whether it's intended or not, that's the message that they get. It's just yeah, it's a, it's a systematic problem. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you a little bit just because yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to mess with you. Okay, go um, ahead. Uh, so I'd say I, one thing I'll say is that, um, do you think that by, because you are so connected with the CrossFit community or, and people yeah. adjacent to it, um, that the, sample size of people that you are talking to or who have you know expressed these concerns which are all very legitimate right if someone's looking for lifestyle choices they should be given an option of that yeah do you think that's the majority of people who walk through a bariatric surgeon's office or that that? walk uh, people who are who don't want a quick fix because i'll say this as a musculoskeletal provider no, I don't. I has I see a lot of people who say, "Shoot me up with the cortisone." I don't want to lose. Weight. Yeah, I've tried losing weight; doesn't work. Yep. Yeah, fix my pain. And I would, and every so often, I get someone who's like, "I want to put in work with PT. I want to do this." I'm like, "Yes," and I know exactly where to send you. I have PTs that I trust. I'm so excited by your motivation. Let's do it. You're right. But that's a very small number. And I'll and give you that. that. Yeah. 
And that happens with coaches too, I think. I mean, I think that's also, you know, when I, I hear a lot of like coaches say, well, you know, the doctors only care about giving people pills and, you know, in the gym, we do this. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But also you have to understand when someone's walking into a gym, they are 15 steps ahead of where they are when they walk into my office. They've already committed to wanting to change. They've already made the steps to be in a place where they could do that. They've already said, I'm going to try some exercise. So when a coach gets them, it's a very different person than the person that I'm seeing in the office. It's like, I'm in pain, fix me now. You know, Let me so, ask you something. Let me ask you something. Okay, I'm going to shoot it right back. Ready? Let's go. Let's go. How many people, okay, how many people by the time that they walk into a bariatric surgery and they are ready for surgery, what kind of history did they have before? How many diets have they been on? You know what, what, um, what some of the best science or what some of the best medical studies have said is that the average person that goes into bariatric surgery has already tried a diet 140 times. This is not a simple, this is not a simple, like, oh, I think I'm just going to have surgery today. My question to you is mm -hmm. what kind of history ha did they have? Did that person have before they got to the point where they said, this is the last resort? I don't know what else. No, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, I, tell, I, I think it's, it's something that's very much a problem is that the, the interventions that have been provided or that people have tried have been sort of misguided at best. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing, another thing that we say as physicians, the nutritional guidelines that exist right now that we're taught to tell people are bullshit. They are. Right. Bullshit. So Amen. they're bullshit. Amen and, to you that. Know, so even, you know, yeah, we're taught about nutrition, quote unquote. So you go to the surgeon's office and they give you this handout that's some nonsense from the FDA or whoever puts that together. Right. And, and guess what? It's not going to work, <laughs> you know? So, Talking, uh, you, know, so you know, so, you know, it, it's, it's at all, it's a, it's a very broken system. Um, but I, 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 there is an element though of like, I think it's a matter of like recognizing for a physician, at least, you know, on, on our end, it's like when people are seeking out or truly seeking out those lifestyle changes, having the tools or the people that can direct them, you know, put them in the right direction. Correct. Right? But, but even then, you know, the people that are considering bariatric surgery, I was one of them. So, I mean, that's a perspective that I can speak to. I, I didn't come to that conclusion. That was after 15 years of not understanding what my problem was. That was not an easy decision. And I was probably on more diets than I could ever even remember. Who knows how many times I've tried or how long I was trying to be in the deficit or all the shit that I did to get to the point where like, I don't know what else to try. Nothing else has been successful. So yeah. even with the people that go get, like, there's nothing wrong with the surgery. If people choose that tool, by all means, it's just that I, I don't believe that it should be offered as a first solution. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. it's, they are better about that process. Is it perfect? No. Is it, do I think it's getting better? Mm, maybe they do have to go through a lot now just to get the approval. So. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, and this kind of speaks to what you were saying, Amy, it's like, we have a crazy medical system, right? And I know I've never met myself. I mean, there are like these oddballs out there, right? But for the most part, physicians just want to do good for patients. And how they do that is largely based on how the patients present to them as well, right? So like, I see a patient, you provide a service, you're trying to do the best for them. You're going off of what they want. People want different things. And also, I, I think, you know, we're all, we all came up in this system. So it's difficult. It's a giant, we're all like human beings just trying to like yeah. figure it out, you know? Yeah. And um, I think it's tough when people get caught in that without having proper education or being able to look at outside options first, which is why getting information out there for people before they get to that point, I think is important. Yeah. I, th I think ultimately our goal, we, we want coaches just to have a better understanding of the condition. This is highly complex way more complex than you can imagine. And to what you said, Matt, you know, I love the fact that you said it. It's not just modifying your diet. There are behavioral things that sometimes have to be modded, psychological, physical, like it, it, it could take a village with many. 
And it, it requires a lot of time too, right? Time to really like, time. you got to break that down, you know? And I think a lot of physicians certainly are like under a time crunch. It's like, they got 15 minutes to figure out how to fix you. Right. And, uh, it's like, and the, the you know, it's like, it's like also like, it's like same things goes for like, you know, things like anxiety, depression, whatever. It's like, Oh, you're, you're depressed. Here's a pill because I'm trying to fix you. And I only got so much time and let's do it. And it's like, obviously there's so much more to that scenario that really needs to be like broken down, but it's like, everyone's trying to do their best, but it's often like missing the mark. It's true. Yeah. I always think about, I mean, okay, so in our, one thing I'm constantly thinking about is whether it's somebody that comes in with chronic pain, or if you're talking about obesity, depression, anxiety, all these things, right? Obesity has comorbidities, depression, anxiety, chronic pain has comorbidities, depression, anxiety. And for all the time I was doing pain medicine and working with, or working with obesity uh, medicine patients, I always think to myself, like, uh, we just need a multidisciplinary approach in everything that we do, because you have to treat, it goes back to that treating the whole person, right? It means so much more when you look at it, there's so like, I cannot do, if I'm fighting against any disease a patient has, right? Like I cannot do very much damage, but if you go in and you look at all the things we can bring into that, if I had like, you know, the psychological piece, right? As well as the nutrition, the fitness, the spiritual community aspect, then you can change the whole person. And that's what we need to focus on. But it's so hard to do that and to get so many people involved with that, right? But that's it's what we true. need for everyone. It's true. I met this um, I met this one LB. I don't know why she comes to mind, but she's coming to mind right now. So I'll just use her story. So what happened with her is she grew up a very athletic um, child. She came from a very athletic family. They were always involved in sports, blah, blah, blah. She ended up becoming, she was part of like the softball. And then she got a scholarship to a big school, four-year scholarship. And then um, her first game in college, something happened. She got into this little accident on the field. Something happened and she lost her scholarship, put her out. The injury was, it put her out of the sport. So that was like what I call like break number one. So I'm just going to hold that right here for a second. So what happens because of this is depression, right? Her whole entire life just got altered. She's not quite sure what she's going to do now. Softball had always been her life. So then we got depression and then food becomes the, what, you know, the a coping mechanism for her. So then she um, she has this injury. She stops working out. She stops being active. Now she's eating because she's got depression. She's eating to nurse these, this over here. And then all of a sudden she starts gaining weight, right? That's this level. And then we have, we have this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. And then these problems cause this problem, this problem, this problem. So when you walk into a gym and somebody's like, Oh, look, she just needs to do this and this real. Is that really her problem? Because if you go back to the root of her problem, she probably never dealt with the fact that she'd lost her scholarship and her life completely got turned upside down. Is this an, a calories in calories out issue? No, it's not. This is a psychological mental exactly. health. Yep. It's the root of this that never got treated. And so all this other stuff happened. So if you can try and fix something down here, sure. But this down here is not affecting this up here. It's this affecting this, if that makes sense. So it's always backwards. And that's what we try to explain to people. Like, well, the root could be something. It could be anything. We run into a lot of people that take all kinds of medications that uh, medications is its own conversation, but that causes all kinds of problems. So Athena, how do we fix this? What do we do? Right. I mean, <laughs> I right? fix all these problems. Um, you know, I, I have a goal of eventually being able to, um, I mean, I'm not going to change the medical system. That's going to take an army. Right. But maybe there's certain things that we can do in the CrossFit community and we can work with local lawmakers and legislators to at least start changing maybe the things that we can influence, like, like getting health, mental health and physical health to become part of, um, you know, necessary, you know, like during COVID, you know, would it have been 
in an ideal world, should those things be considered necessary? Yeah, they should. Why they're not viewed that way, I, I have no idea. But I'd love to, to work on that side of the house and start making policy changes that can help some of this stuff. I love that. And I mean, this whole podcast, right? Everything we're talking about are things that we like as professionals, coaches, athletes can do to, you know, work in our piece and to put our piece into the system to help make things better. Yeah. So, hey, I'm not, we're not going to keep you all night. I could talk forever. All right. We've been, we've been cranking for a little over an hour. So Athena, where can people find you? Yeah. If um, they can find us at scalednation.com. You can visit us on Instagram. You can also find my personal profile. They're linked. Um, We keep the website updated um, almost every day of upcoming courses. And again, you know, this is just a little piece of pie that we feel like we can add value to. So that's where we're going to focus. And and hopefully if we can change um, just kind of how coaches view this people with this condition um, who are living with obesity, maybe we can, maybe we can make CrossFit um, a place where it might not be so scary so that when people think of getting healthier, that they will think of CrossFit in that way. Amazing. Awesome. All right. I'll link it in the show notes. You got it.